0: Good morning, everyone, let's stand and worship. I
1: thought I knew what I was talking about, and I testified of your great love. I was a soul on fire, there was no doubt. Bible believing, saved, and washed in the blood. Grace. Grace. You brought me bliss. And made my mistakes that I could know in my soul How amazing was grace You brought me blessings out of a tragedy
0: Right.
2: God, I serve, knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my, my God, God will never
0: How many people want to see a victory in their lives? I can't hear you, how many want a victory? and the victory is his. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for bringing us here today, as actually we are on, uh, this is uh, the week that we celebrate our anniversary, so 16 years of serving you, God, and we just pray for, for so many more. We give you praise for who you are. God, this church right here, and all the ministries that it does, and everybody who's here is a sign of your victory, and we give praise for that in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we just pray that the rest of this time will just be dedicated and focused to you, for we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says. Amen. Have a seat where you are. we got communion and a couple other things today. This is pure coincidence that I wore a purple shirt today. Okay, just letting you know. All right, so, I realized it. Actually, told Jake. I said, "Darn it, I wore purple." So. All right. All right, everyone. Um, we are going to celebrate the uh, Lord's Supper communion. And a couple things where Jesus told us when he, um, he did this first time at uh, the night, in which somebody's excited. That's good, you know. Um, but um, Jesus performed this first time right before he was getting ready to give up his life. And he took something that was a Seder meal. They were celebrating Passover. It was in celebration of what God had done from um, re- redeeming the Israelites out of, um, out of Egypt and saving them from Pharaoh and um and they were to remember that and in this service which um, the Jewish faith celebrates even today, um, they, they do a lot of things. And the term that they use is a core. It means to remember. It means to remember, remember. And there's a lot of remembrance in that. And so when Jesus went, met with his disciples that night, they took, um, they had the, the, the setup and the normal elements. And then it came time, they would have uh, bread. It might have been unleavened like a, like a big matzah, but that doesn't matter what it is. It just matters who did it. And he took the bread and he used the same liturgy that he had, they had used. For years, it's, um, if you want to know in Hebrew, it's Baruch Ata Adonai and it means um, "Blessed are you, Lord God, Creator, Ruler, and Sovereign of the universe." And then they would say that it gives us grain from the field that we may have bread to eat. And then you would break it, and at, particularly at this point, um, many scholars believe it was it was a part with Afikomen, which is where they would break it, and they would go hide it. All right, and it means "I have come." So um, they would hide a piece, and the youngest person in the room would go have to find it. It was a game for them, and they still do that day. But Jesus changed it, and he broke it. And he used, I believe that he used that moment of saying, I have come, to really tell them why he had come, because he knew that he was going to fulfill what the Father had sent him there for. So he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and he said, hey, this is not the Afrocomen. It is me. I am the bread of life, and this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat this, and remember to me. Also, after supper was over, he once again gave uh, a blessing. And the reason why they said after supper was over, because in the supper, you're having a liturgy, and many are, there's several different things, and they're doing a lot of drinking and a lot of passing and a lot of dipping and everything else. And, um, and at this point, after the supper was over, several of the cups are there. And, and, but after supper, there's a cup called the cup of redemption. And then Jesus once again this liturgy from long before. Blessed are you, God, ruler, sovereign of the universe that gives us uh, fruit of the vine that we may have to drink. He began to pass that around. They thought they were done with liturgy. And he said, oh, by the way, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this and remember to me. So what I always believe is what Jesus was telling us. One of the things, that, one of the many things that he was telling us was he was saying, I have come to redeem you. And he was going to do that in just a few hours. And he does it for us then and always today. And so, Lord, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon these gifts. Make them be for us the body of, and blood of Christ. And may they be upon us that we may be for the world the body of Christ set apart by his precious blood, that we will come together and connect with Jesus. And that one day we get to have the greatest meal ever. Anybody like big meals? Okay, good. Um, and, and you like a good meal. Like, if, the food is good, isn't it? I would look a lot better if food wasn't good. But food is so good. And one day we get to feast at a heavenly banquet table. And we got a new body so we don't gain weight. Hallelujah. And so, but that's going to be awesome. And so, God, it, it, this is a glimpse of that. But through this act, we don't, depending on where your denominational stance is, many people um, talk about what this actually becomes. But what we do recognize together as Christians is the presence of Christ meets us here. And that's what we want to do. We want to focus on the presence of Christ. So what are rules? Several different places have rules of communion. This is the Lord's table. It's not Jack's. It's not Haven's. And so what I, what I say here is a couple of things that we've got to ask ourselves is, um, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to us? We've got to deal with it sometime. Um, we either deal with it now or at the end of time when every knee bows and every tongue confess. My suggestion is start now. All right, get to know him now. Um, and C.S. Lewis, the great writer said, um, and theologian said, he's either a liar, lunatic, or savior. I'm putting all my money on the last one, all right? And then the other thing is, do you have sin in your life? Sin is, that, somebody said, oh my gosh, she said the S word in church. Yes, the big little word, sin. It means miss the mark. If, has any of you missed the mark? The answer is yes, all right? From the moment you were born, you have been doing that and so have I. And so um, we've all missed the mark, get through Jesus, he puts us back on the mark. So, God doesn't look at Jack, thank God, thank, thank Jesus, that he looks at me through Jesus. So, every time I should suffer and pay for my sin, that's all, that's all hell, and that's all sin is. I, hell is about, it's not God sending people away because he doesn't like you. He's sending people away who want to pay for their own sin, and that's the payment for sin, and Jesus said, I already paid it. So, anytime I mess up and I seek forgiveness, Lord says, Jesus says, hey, I paid it. I paid it. I paid it. So you got to deal. Do you have sin in your life that you want to repent of? Come to him. The other thing is, and this is also a yes answer, do you have people in your life that you don't mesh with very well? If you're like me, the answer is yes, 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 right? And the thing is, some you may have tried to live at peace with, but you just can't. Some people just don't have peace in their life, so they're not going to pass it on to you. They want to pass on chaos. And so what you say is, Lord, I have And some of those times, the people that don't have peace in their life mess your life up so much that you can't even figure out how to find peace, and they have such a control. And guess what? You can't do it on your own, so you need to do what I think is just give it to Jesus. Say, Lord, I've tried everything I can, and it may be somebody you're related to. It probably is somebody you're related to. If it's not, you're the one who they're talking about, all right? So you're, you know, but anyway, so sometimes just give it to the Lord. Just give that person to the Lord and say, Lord, I have tried help where I cannot do it anymore. And give it to him. And then John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said that communi- communion is a converting sacrament, meaning that you can come to faith through Christ. So we're asking the Lord, uh, we've asked the Lord to bless us and to bless these gifts. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and serve uh, the servers first. The body of our Lord given for you. The body of Christ broken and given for you. The body of Christ, Mark, broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken and given for you. Jen, the body of Christ broken and given for you. Indeed, the body of Christ broken and given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you, Rig. The blood of Christ poured out for you, Rebecca. And for you, Mark, the blood of Christ shed for you. I hope the blood of Christ poured out for you and for many. For the forgiveness of the sins, Bob, for you. The Lord's blood poured out for you. His blood shed for you. And His blood shed for you. All right, so um, we have uh, some ushers or people that will help uh, facilitate everything. We have three stations up, and again, I'll go through this, um, that uh, you'll come down that back corner. From the, we'll always come from the back. They'll lead you in that. Um, they're back there, they'll tell you, and you'll come down and you'll return on the side, and they'll tell you all the other stuff. This group comes down here, this group comes down here. Now, if you, um, you guys are confused, just listen to them, all right? Um, but also, we do on this side, we recognize still because of uh, COVID and other kinds of things and illnesses. There are pre here, so even if you're over here, just walk all the way over here. We'll, get, we'll let you have that. You can. Um, it's a little uh, pre-sealed, pre-made cup. We just want people to be comfortable. It, it, what I'm saying is it doesn't matter the way we do it. This is not about what we're doing. It's about what He does, all right? We're meeting the presence of Christ, and that's what we want to do. And then also gluten-free is here, too, because we recognize those things. But more importantly, it's not a time to say, hey, how you doing? Yeah, it's a family event, but we're focusing on our father, all right? So let's just focus on our daddy right now and just what God has for you as the praise team is going to go ahead and give us a song. So follow the instructions and come to the table of the Lord. And if you can't make it, just raise your hand and it'll get to you.
2: may fail but God you never will I may be weak but your spirit's strong in me and my flesh may fail but God you never will give me faith to trust what you say that you're good Your love is great I'm broken inside I give you my life Give me faith to trust what you say me.
0: Uh, just re- remember as our um, worship team is finishing, that it's, it's really cool because I love I love the symbolism, not only in the uh, theological, but I love the fact that to get bread, you have to, the, the grain has to be pressed out, right? And it has to be put together with other ingredients in order to have bread. Nobody's had a peanut butter and chaff sandwich, right? You know, nobody's ever done that. Um, they you, you have to have that put together. And so, that's that's a That's an illustration of the body of christ right we 're all very different we 're all different ingredients, but together we make one body just like one loaf and and in the in the juice or the wine that nobody just you know went out and had a, a grape tasting you know nobody's ever done that before, but what happens when the grapes press themselves out and combine with others, you have some some of the best tasting things ever, in it, and it reaches so many. And that's who we are. We're the body of Christ in that way. And uh, to recognize that today, um, we have a recognition of some things. So Dana, come on up. Right.
3: Good morning, everybody. Um, I think I got the biggest chunk of bread right before I had to come up here and talk. So Um, hopefully you guys can hear me okay Um, in honor of our 16 year anniversary how fantastic is that 16 years of Haven Community Church is amazing Um, we wanted to take a second and recognize some of the people who are faithfully serving this church week in week out day in day out Um, and so I'm gonna introduce you to some of the members of the leadership team that are here um, and honor some of the people that serve in our groups Um, first um, our pastor Can we give him a round of applause, please? I'm not sure anyone knows um, how many hours he puts in to the sermon each week, praying for all of you, meeting with you, counseling you, Um, and this is terrifying. Just saying, getting up here and talking to all of you is very scary. Um, Jill Cohen, can you stand up? Jill, Jill is our missions leader, so she runs Haven Helping Hands. She's also Jack's sister, so we need to give her some credit for putting up with him for all these years. Um, Jim Forsman, he's in the back there. If you can see Mr. Jim back there. Um, Jim is our administration leader. He's also in charge of our finance, um, which is a job none of us want to do. So we are very thankful Jim does that. Um, Keith Edwards, he's in the back there too. Keith is our worship leader. Um, He puts all of the songs together every week, uh, gets all the songs ready, works with the praise team, gets them to practice most of the time on time, Um, gets them here on Sundays on time, and does such a wonderful job um, preparing for the service for you guys. Um, He's also in charge of the trustees, which is our building and our lease and all of that, as well as our security. So he is in charge of the wonderful men and women who stand outside and make sure that we're safe every Sunday. Um, Kate Allen, is Kate in here? There she is. Kate is in charge of youth. So Kate's our youth director. She does all things Sunday school. And I, I'm i sure you guys all know what a big undertaking that is. Um, as a side note for Kate, um, Jen Legullo, she's here somewhere. She's our youth leader. She's not gonna stand up, she waved. <laughs> um, Donna Wiggum, she's here somewhere, Donna. Donna's in charge of our caring ministry. So she does all things, um, grief share, prayer ministry, card ministry, Thanksgiving food drive, um, and she's also a part of our mission team. So Donna does a lot here at Haven. Um, Me? Um, I am the, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm in charge of connections and communication, so I help run the website, our Facebook, our Instagram. Um, My job is to connect you with the places that you want to serve and get you in touch with those people. Um, Wes Hewitt is our lay leader. The lay leader, as I understand it, is the liaison between the congregation and the leadership team, and Wes does an amazing job doing that. Um, Joanna Frederick. She is our, (laughs) she'll be up here in a minute, I promise, I'm not taking her job. Um, She is our uh, leader team secretary. She's also in charge of the host team. So all of the wonderful people that greet you every day when you come in, she organizes all of that. And last but not least, Ron Frederick. Ron is in charge of our growth ministry. So uh, he helps with Disciple, all of our small groups. His job is to get people into the church and get them connected to a small group to create the family that we have here that we've had for 16 years. Um, I just wanna acknowledge people that are on a team. So if I say a team that you're on, if you could just stand up, I wanna just share with you the number of people that serve our church every week. Our host team and ushers. If you're a host team member or an usher, could you stand? Yeah, that's awesome. Keep sta- I want you to stay standing. Prayer team. Can we have members of our prayer team stand up? Uh, card ministry. Our praise team. Our AV team, which they're all back there working, so they're back there. <laughs> um, our communion team, the people that serve and lead communion every week. Um, trustees and security, all the people that keep us safe and help us run our building. Um, our Sunday school teachers, please give them a huge round of applause. They're amazing. Our youth leaders, Jen and Abby. Anybody who participates in Hel- Haven Helping Hands, please stand. So many of you. There are so many. Um, any small group leaders? Yep. Everybody's standing. So if you notice, we got less standing as we went along because all of these people are in multiple, multiple groups. So please give all of these people a round of applause. They make this church go round. Right. If you would bow your heads with me for a prayer, I'd like to pray over those people. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today so thankful for all of the people that serve this church week in and week out. Lord, this church would not move in the direction that it moves without those people and their spiritual gifts which you have given to them to be able to use and serve every week. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Always, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.
0: All right. One, one other thing that we want to do is um, we're going to show a video because last one of the things is everybody here, whether you stood or not, you contribute to so much stuff, and so we want to share um, a video over the last year, as we did last year, and just to show you some of the impact, because otherwise we'd be here for years, and I, I think there's a football game or something today. So, um, but, but hey, have yeah, it ain't the Eagles. We know that. So, um, but let's go ahead and let's take a look. stuff that's all of you everybody so give yourself a hand that's awesome yeah. i think it's fascinating they used the one where i tried to break the chair so anyway um thank you all um and so now we're gonna uh, kick on to some normalcy now um but thank thank you thank you thank you and, and we're gonna do better even this year to for more for christ right uh, our kids can go to haven um kids now and um and you can just say happy anniversary to somebody and then joanna's gonna come and lead us real briefly
4: Okay, first and foremost, June would like to thank everyone for the flowers, the warm wishes, the personal cards, and everything that she has received during the death of her husband. She was just full of gratitude and wanted me to share that with all of you. Um, I have to do a shout out. My sister in law is finally online. Hopefully she gets to where I talk because last time she got off, but anyway. Um, Other girls out there, Jenny and Liz that are listening, healing for prayers for both of you. Um, And Holly, thank God you're here today. She was in a car accident and she's here. Car's not good, but she's okay. And that's what's really important. Um, Couple happy birthday shouts out to Melissa and Miss Dot, which I'm not allowed to do, but happy birthday anyway. You guys are special. Um, Janet McCusker, Larry is having surgery tomorrow. So we want him to have a successful surgery. Um, Ruth has asked us to lift the, Sandy Rankin's family, her son was 40 years old and was hit by a car in Townsend and was killed immediately. So we wanna keep that family lifted in prayer. Um, Jen Cummings, having surgery this week, so we'll see you back next Sunday, right? All good. Um, Monique and Bart, we wanna continue, he is gonna have cancer treatments and we wanna continue to lift him. Debbie Chadwick had surgery and she's smiling back there, it's all good. uh, Dale Ross had his surgery, and I understand he's doing okay. He's not here today, but he his back surgery was successful. Emily had eye surgery and can see me now. I'm so excited. Thank you, Emily. And Wes is going to have carpal tunnel surgery. Um, and again, Sarah and Jenny for healing. And all of you that need healing, uh, I'm reaching out for you. Um, we have Rosemary... Uh, Dawn Miller has asked that we pray for Rosemary Wright for continued healing from her colon cancer surgery and guidance for their next steps. Charles Hockenberry, hope I got that right, Charles. Am I good? Okay. Uh, Injured neck healing and pain relief. We're going to continue to pray for your relief. Um, Holly, pray for dad and her car, which we'll keep praying for that car. Um, Kathy Sullivan and... um, Also, Carol Henson has asked us to reach out in prayer to um, Bill and Kim Streaker family. Um, They tragically lost their son, Dakota, who was um, 19 this week. So, um, and his um, honor walk is gonna be today. And I don't know if any of you have ever done the honor walk when someone donates. It is breathtaking. My, one of my cousins, one of my niece's husband did it. And every person in that hospital lines up and they're all in prayer. And I'm telling you, there is nothing like that. So for those of you who do and are donors, it's an amazing thing and thank you. Um, Also, oh, Janet, I already got Larry, okay. Uh, I'm sorry if I forgot anybody, I'm doing the best I can. It's all good. So now we're gonna pray. Oh, and don't forget the nursing home mission, that's my thing. This year, we're gonna celebrate the caregivers. Uh, During COVID, we celebrated the clients and the patients. This year, we're gonna celebrate the caregivers that are working hard and are overworked because there's not enough of them. Um, There's a list in the bulletin of little goodies. We're gonna send them a goodie basket and thank them and love them and let them know how much we appreciate them. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, let's go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, what an amazing day. I just cannot thank you, enough for Miss Dana, who did an outstanding job on that year-end summary. I'm telling you what, Haven is kicking butt, and thank you, Jesus, as Jack said, next year we can even do more. There's a lot of people in this room that give a lot, and they're amazing, and thank you all. I pray for those who need healing, those who are suffering, those who are going through recovery. This time of year, those going through depression, which Jack's gonna talk about today. Be with each and every one of those with heavy hearts and lift them up and remind us to go out every day and pay it forward to love someone and put our hands on and let them know that Jesus loves them. All of these things I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And I was two minutes. Bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety,
0: ADD or ADHD. We cannot avoid the topic of mental illness. What does this mean for those of us who are born again, blood-washed followers of the Lord Jesus
4: Christ, and yet live in this real world where people have real problems and real difficulties? You have to face it somewhere. So even if you
0: wanna avoid the subject here, you have to ask the question, What are we as Christians supposed to do? So much going on today. I want to keep moving. Um, today I do want to touch on that we you just see the eighteenth of February. We will have our um, new members classes, but it's called um, the Haven Growth Path. We have several different three uh, like brief classes after church, about it's about pretty much an hour after church, and this one just kind of tells you the history. Of Haven how we how we got here and what we believe is our mission here So if you want to know some more about that um, you can plan on just staying after um, Church on the 18th and then also I want to I pick out particularly since the series that we're doing and because of many things is um, That we do have grief share that's starting the 29th. I believe so um, Plan on that. And there's so many other things um, you can download the app in front of you and um, in, Unless you're in the front row and that can go ahead and you can connect and uh, really get connected find out the information Information. You also have the QR code up here. We're in week three of our series, Finding Peace of Mind. And um, how many, anybody have fun this week wasting time with Jesus? Um, that was cool, huh? So um, so today we're going to talk about uh, dealing with depression. And um, and so like, there was someone I knew, a, a person, it's not going to be one of those things that it's me, um, although it could be at times. But there was somebody I knew um, who everybody would say they are the most generous person seemed to be the most kind, most uplifting uh, person that they know, always looked happy, always seemed to have a smile on their face, and they just, ev- most people that you met, they really liked this person. And yet, when you got to know them and really talk to them, they would tell you that inside they felt hopeless, empty, that it was dark, it was weighty, they were afraid and alone, um, and they had a battle for for years and years with chronic and crippling depression. Even many times, several times, even speaking with me um, as they had repeated suicidal thoughts that had plunged and and plagued them, plunged them down and plagued them for years upon years upon years upon years. Now, when you hear that, someone who hasn't experienced depression, uh, you might be dismissive, as um, some are, and you might be like, Hey, hey, dude, hey, hey, lady, you gotta go ahead and you got so much good going on in your life. Just pull yourself out of it and just cheer up. Go ahead, put a smile, turn that frown upside down. Um, and then, uh, but I want you to know that depression is not just sadness, it's not just discouragement, but it's a constant heaviness and a constant darkness. Um, it's sometimes like no feeling, like no feeling at all. You can be numb, you may have no motivation. And ultimately no hope. And what's really sad is over the years, the church should have been the safest place to talk about these feelings of darkness and heaviness and depression and loneliness. But often it has not been a place to do that. Sometimes in church communities, there's almost a stigma attached to depression. Where someone who, who feels hopeless begins to feel ashamed to even begin to talk about being depressed. Because we sing songs, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. There you go. All right. You guys were in Sunday school. All right. But, um, but, you know, we have that. And we talk about Jesus, others than you, you should have joy. And yet when you aren't feeling it, when you're weighted down by it, um, you almost feel in the church that you can't share about it historically, because it's so weighty and that there's got to be something wrong. You may feel guilty to share. There must be something spiritually you're not doing. Um, You're doing something wrong. And then other well-meaning Christians, most well-meaning Christians, will say, hey, you know, just suck it up. Come on, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, come on, pull out of it. Get over it. You know, it's not the end of the world. Just put your faith in Jesus and everything's going to be okay. And yet you still have those feelings and emotions and thoughts and the depressed person, instead of coming to a group to get freer, often ends up feeling less safe about opening. And so when someone says, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. It's great. Oh, wonderful. I'm great. Yeah. Or we even put those little brother-sister things in the church. Oh, hey, brother. How you doing? Because yes. We say that, and that means we're good. But then they start to with- we start to withdraw all the more because we don't want anybody to feel like, well, wow, we're not really Christians if we don't have this joy. But that's wrong. That's wrong. Have you ever thought about this? Like, if you're in a small group, and sometimes you say, "You know, I don't feel too well. My head hurts and my throat's sore," and someone would say, "Well, you know, you need to take your temperature, go uh, get some medicine, go to the doctor, right?" Or, and if someone broke a bone, you don't say, "Hey, come on, put a smile. Stop crying. Let's go. Suck it up. You'll be good. You're following Jesus now. Your bones will heal, right?" We don't do that. We say, "You better get. Let's get to the hospital. You better get to a surgeon." But then when somebody says, "I'm I'm so depressed," I can't, I I, I just feel like I want it all to end. Often our answer in the church has been keep smiling, keep praying, and and just, just keep it to yourself. That's wrong. That's wrong. If you're one of the many people today, especially in, in this painful culture that we live in, in this moment that is fighting with depression, one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest mental health problems of our culture today, you will both identify with this verse I'm about to read, and it may frustrate you, it may ident- you may identify with it, or you may get a little mad because you're dealing with it. But Proverbs 12, 25 says this, anxiety in the heart of a man and woman, man, uh, people, causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. And the reason why I said you're going to get angry, because if you've dealt with depression, sometimes you're saying, a good word, are you kidding me? Like, hey, you know, um, it doesn't pull me out of my depression. Now, this is the word of God, so we got to take it for its truth, but we got to look at that. And if that last part seems a little bit too simplistic today... I'm hoping to bring a good word, a good word from the Word of God today that will help bring just a little bit of healing, and that's why today we're going to talk about battling the big D. So bow with me for prayer. Father, I, we're going to cry out to you today, and I ask for your help to help me communicate your good word from heaven. Would you bring healing to us today? Would you bring your light into uh, the darkness? There may be somebody online right now who's dealing with depression so badly that, God, they need the light of Christ. And so we pray this in Jesus' name that, God, that, um, that the chains of depression will begin to fall by the wayside as, as you speak life into these areas. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope this isn't going to be a pressing message. Um, but the, one of the things I want to say is depression is a very, very complex issue. And in case you're someone who's like, well, I don't, this isn't for me. I'm not, I don't deal with depression. Um, and you feel good about that okay, feel good, but don't get too good because um, depression doesn't discriminate. Sometimes you can go along most of your life and then all of a sudden, bam, it'll hit you. And it doesn't mean that it won't get to you at some point. But, um, and the other thing is, depression is not one size fits all. And um, it's a very complex issue, as I said, and we're gonna talk about this. Now again, um, I am not an expert at all. I've sought a lot of expert advice. Uh, I've read and I've researched a lot of different things. And according to the experts and according to all the research that I've done, there are four essential areas um, and are root causes of depression. And we're going to touch on those today. But I just want to let you know, in, um, at the end of 2023, uh, three, there was a, um, a research done. And the percentage of adults who have reported being diagnosed with depression at some point in their lifetime, and I have some charts up here, um, has reached 29% and that's nearly 10 points higher than it was in 2015, all right, so it's, it's not going the right way. Um, the percentage of Americans who, are currently ha- who currently have or have been treated for depression has also increased to almost 18%, 17.8%. That's up about seven points in the same amount of time. Both of these are the highest recorded since Gallup has been doing its poll. And you can see how those numbers um, are, are increasing and increasing. And then just a couple other things. They also looked at some other things. Um, one third of women, 36.7%, uh, now report as being diagnosed with depression at some point in their lifetime compared to 20.4% of men. I don't believe, I, I'm going to tell you what I don't believe. I don't believe that's because men are less, Depressed, I believe, because men don't share. And if they're asked, they're going to say no. Um, and, and the rate has risen nearly twice the men since 2017. And so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to men, share, because you're a time bomb if you don't. And you can see, uh, even among um, others, lifetime depression rates are climbing very fast in um, African-American and Hispanic adults. And um, the highest level of depression is increasing among our young people time so much, so much. And so, according to experts, and according to that, we're going to talk about these four causes of, uh, roots of depression. The first one, and it's in your bulletin, is biological cause. A biological cause. If you're, if you're really bad with depression right now, you're dealing with depression right now, um, you may uh, not have done anything wrong in your life. There may have not been anything that just happened. You may have a chemical imbalance that is just part of your body and your brain that's causing you um, to feel a certain way. Uh, you may have chronic pain. Anybody know anybody who's had chronic pain? People have chronic pain, they, it, it, it debilitates them. And so we are put together body, soul, and spirit. So if one of those areas is affected, it's hard to have your spirit joyful when your body hurts all the time. 24-7 and all the time. And so, so that just leads you in a, in a mental state and an emotional and a physical state, and then may even affect the spirit part that you uh, end up in a state of heaviness and darkness. You may have a nutritional um, deficit. Um, you might have hormonal changes. You have a baby and you come out of it and, and you feel postpartum depression. And it's postpartum depression um, is not well understood, but often what they've come to is that your, your hormones are all over the place because you gave birth to another life. Um, and so that everything's all over the place. And what we find out is postpartum depression most commonly occurs within six weeks after childbirth. And uh, postpartum depression occurs in about 65 um, to 20%, we don't even fully know, of women. Um, approximately one in seven women uh, who, uh, pr- who have been pregnant will get a pre, uh, a prenatal mood or anxiety disorder like um, postpartum depression or anxiety. It's, it's um, not super normal, but it's very common is what we're saying when we're talking one in seven. 70 to 80% of moms, now that's getting up there, may feel, uh, new moms may feel depressed, anxious, or even angry a few days after birth. So dads, run, all right? Um, no, be there for them. Um, you may not be sleeping well. That may be another cause of it. You may not be getting enough exercise or getting enough sunlight. Like, if you want to see depression, there's a, something called sad. Seasonal Affective Disorder. And it's when we do that stupid thing where we change the clock and we get up and, and we go to work and it's dark and we come home and leave and it's dark. You know what I mean? And we get in and we go home and it's dark and we're with people that we were able to escape all year because it was nice in the summertime and now we're stuck in a room with them and we're like, I'm depressed. And, and there's a Seasonal Affective Disorder. There are relational causes as well as biological causes. You may be having a big problem with one of your kids, or you may have a major issue that's weighing on you. Um, your relationship, your marriage may be falling apart. You may be going through a divorce or have gone through one. You've got issues with people that you love. You've got issues with people you don't love. Um you maybe have been rejected, or you, you, you might have gone through a global pandemic and don't know how to shake hands, knuckle punch, ha- hug, or just stay six feet away, right? Um, and so f- some, for some of these things, it's biological or it's relational. Or some of you may have circumstantial uh, causes, that it might be that you've lost somebody or you've had a lot of loss in your life, um, and you're dealing with feelings of despair, and loss. And I, I, rem- when I when I put this down, I was thinking this. I remember I was going through, uh, you know, it, during that two and a half years where everything was crazy, lots of loss. I remember I had something that was really pressing on me. And I remember saying this. I remember saying, I wish I could talk to my dad one more time. Right? You just say, I want to talk to them one more time. And when you realize you can't talk to them, you're like, wow. You know, and that hits heaviness as well. And then you wonder why you feel so down and why you feel so weighty. And so it may be because biological, it may be because of relational issues, may because of circumstantial. Like I said, with despair and loss, um, you may have tried to work yourself out financially, and you tried to keep it quiet. So no, you know, because you didn't want to feel like a failure, you didn't want to disappoint everybody in the house because you're working and working, but it's still getting behind, and you're sitting there, and then you're just feeling the pressure of that, and you're trying to hold it together, but you still don't know where this is headed and it's headed in a negative direction. Or it could be um, that something appears good and you look forward to retirement and then you retire and you're like, I'm going to have fun. And then you're like, who am I now? What do I do now? Nobody calls me. Nobody wants me. Nobody, Nobody's asking for things. Um, or if you're in my age group um, area and there are a lot of us that have grown kids that are moving out and um, there's no more children and the feelings of sadness and depression of being an empty nester. It, I remember it was weird when Jacob went to college and then, um, and then he came back and he just this weekend moved into his own place. And it was really surreal when he got in his car and I, I said, hey, I guess you're going up there for the weekend and for good. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll be down. I'll see you. And you know that that may be the last time that he actually lives in your house. And there's a part of you that says hallelujah. And there's another part that says, oh, that's sad. And that's a big place. I remember when Abigail and Elijah got married and moved out. It felt weird. Um, and now you're kind of wondering, what are the rest of you guys doing here? What are you guys getting out? You know? Um, but no, seriously, I love my kids. I love them around. Um, but, uh, you know, you do miss them. I don't miss the mess as much, but I miss them. You know, like, you remember when you have little kids and you're always stressing about the house needs to be clean, and then they get to be big kids like teenagers, and you're always stressing because they aren't cleaning the house, and then they leave and you have a clean house. And you're like, wow, I like some mess. Not right now because they're still there. You know what I mean? But, um, and so it could be biological. It could be relational. It could be situational. Or depression could also be real spiritual attacks. Because we're body, soul, and spirit, and it affects all these things. When we talk about our will, uh, when we talk about soul, we talk about our will, intellect, and emotion. So we can have an emotional, relational kind of thing, and we can also have a body thing, a biological. But we also are put together with spirit. God breathed his life into us. And so we have an enemy. Our enemy is Satan, and he wants to destroy us. We have to remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against very real spiritual powers of f- forces of, of darkness that want to kill, steal, and destroy everything that matters to God. And I want to tell you, you matter to God more than anything. You matter to God more than anything, so much so that he sent his son to pay the price for you. And there's nothing, that these all cause... Uh, these all ca- are root causes. Depression doesn't discriminate. So it could be one or two, or it could be all of these that you're dealing with at times. And even though, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I play one on here. No, but I'm not one. Um, and even though I'm not a uh, a um, licensed Um, therapist, even though I am currently working on my master's in clinical mental health counseling because of these issues. Um, I'm a pastor. So what I want to do, I'm going to focus on the spiritual. I'm going to bring in some other stuff, but I'm going to focus on the spiritual Part of this, and I want you to know this is a complex issue. As we are body, soul, and spirit, you will want to get holistic help. That means I can help you with the spirit part. All right, that's my job. That's what I do. Um, y- doctor, you need you don't want to come to me for that part. You want to go to a doctor for that medical, that chemical stuff. And um, you know I can I can help with uh, you know some of the soul stuff but I want you to have a professional that really can work through that and give you the time that you need. So we need to go ahead and get that holistic way. So I want to show you a very, 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 very depressed man in the Old Testament. And I want you to understand he's not just some man, he's a prophet, which means he spoke on behalf of God, he represented God, he told people what God said. Yet this man, he was a person of deep and committed faith, but he was also a person with very, very deep, weighty heavy, desperate depression, and he was in a bad place, and his name is Jeremiah, all right? Now, I want to give you a little bit of context. We're going to be in Lamentations. Everybody say Lamentations, Lamentations. all right? Um, and he is, we're going to be in Lamentation chapter 3, and, um, and we're going to move, but I want to give you a little bit of context. There was a, a, a King Solomon, David's son, he built a temple. It was a massive structure. And it stood for 400 years. And it it stood there as a sign where people met with with God, worshipped God, sacrificed to God. It was the place where they went and connected. It was part of the, the Jewish culture, the Israeli culture, but it was also part of their worship. It was all wrapped up in together. And it was a massive, beautiful structure. And as I said, it stood for 400 years until the Babylonians came in in 587 B.C. And Jeremiah Nehemiah was born and grew up in a village uh, called Anathoth, a few miles northeast of Jerusalem. So his whole life he had seen the temple, and you could see it gleaming. And when when the people when the, they write the scriptures, say, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. You would see it, and they'd be so excited. We're going to the house of the Lord. They were so excited. And he, he could look out and see that as he was growing up because it's on the highest place. And yet at this point, he began to see something different. He, Jeremiah saw the destruction. He witnessed his loved ones being murdered. He w- witnessed many of his friends being taken captive and family members and friends being taken, removed from their home in Jerusalem and taken away to Babylon, um, which is modern day Iraq, okay, from Israel to Iraq. And, and, and they stayed there their whole lives, all right? One of those was, you know, you, Daniel. Daniel was taken as a very young boy and he spent the rest of his life, in captivity elsewhere, but uh, I mean, other kinds of things. Um, And he, mostly he saw the temple of God completely destroyed and he was depressed. It would be similar to like, you know, in some ways, maybe remember when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, we saw little kids being carried out from that bombing. You remember that? Some of you were old enough and it just did something to you, Right. It hit that place. Or it could be um, some of you, JFK's assassination, and you remember what that did to a country and to a people. Or some of you remember 9 11 and the feeling of of that. And then you add it into that's the place you worship God. It was all that and more. And Jeremiah saw loved ones laying around dead, captured in the wake of the siege on Jerusalem. And he ended up leaving in a caravan to Egypt with some others, and he never, ever got to return to his homeland again. He was depressed, like many of us now. And, and watch it, look at the descriptive metaphors that he says in this verse of Lamentations chapter 3. He says this, I am the, the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. Does that sound like somebody who's just so excited about serving the Lord? Sounds like somebody who's depressed to me, doesn't it? Surrounded by bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I can't escape. He feels trapped. He has weighed me down with chains. If anybody's been with depression, this is very real. Even when I call out for help, he shuts out my prayer. I have been deprived of peace. Let's go. I have forgotten what prosperity is, so I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord, all gone. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well. And what? My soul is downcast in me. At this point, this is a man of God who has no hope. He's crushed. He's broken. In every area of his life, he's shattered. The prophet of God, the man of God, is depressed, is, it sounds suicidal in many ways. Wait, he's a man of God? If he went to church and said that in a small group, they may say, well, you know, just smile. It's going to be okay. Hey, let's, let's go get you a, a, one of those little eclairs. You'll feel better. You might a little bit. but, but That's not taking away the feeling that he has. And then when somebody said that to Jeremiah, do you think he was like, I know I should feel a bit different, but I don't because of what's going on around me. And there's two truths I want you to remember when you're battling depression. Okay? Your emotions are actually valid. One of the wrong things that people do is they try to dismiss your your, your, um, your feelings and your emotions. God gave you emotions. God gave them to you. That's why I always hated when you would go into church and people wouldn't laugh or people wouldn't clap. Like, you know when you're in a non-clapping church, when somebody sings and like something, you go, right? Anybody ever done that before? Um, God gave, you know, you read the scripture, it talks about dancing before the Lord. It talks about clapping. It talks about shouting. It talks about that. God gave us emotions to utilize, and he wants us to use those to worship him. All right? And, and so some of these, uh, these emotions are valid. And some people will say it doesn't matter how you're feeling. Don't believe your feelings. Now, I will tell you, your feelings will fail you, but they're there, as we talked about last week. Anxiety is a warning signal, remember? So we have those things uh, that we've got to look at. So, but listen to me your emotions are valid. So that's the first thing. The second thing is your situation feels hopeless. So the situation, when you have this situation that causes depression a lot of times, it feels hopeless, and it, it does feel hopeless. And if you're depressed right now, you may not know where to go, what to do, where to turn, how to get out of it. You have tried to pray. You have tried to read your Bible. You've tried to believe. You've done it for so long. And now it's it's actually getting to a point where you have no hope that when you're you're talking to someone and they give you some Bible verse, it might be a Bible verse you've read yourself 50 times. You're like, it doesn't make me feel better. I'm not getting out of this. So you preaching at me is not helping me any. You know, you're doing that. I just need you sometimes to just love on me unconditionally and not just give me Bible verses. When I've gone through depression in low areas, when well-meaning people, I get it. When you give me the Bible verses, a lot of times I'm like, I feel bad because I know it. I stay up here and say it during the week. I look through it and read through it and trust it and believe it. And I'm like, but I, sometimes I just don't feel it because of the weight of depression, whether it's body or whether it's situational or whatever. Everybody know what I'm talking about here? And so you don't know how to get out of it. And and these are true. Your emotions are actually valid. And your situation feels hopeless. And that is truth, but it's not the full truth. And I want to give you the full truth today. It's incomplete truth. And so let me give you these again but I'm going to give it to you fully. Your emotions are actually valid, but they are not permanent. They're valid, but they're not permanent. And number two, your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there is always hope. So that's the two complete truths. Yeah, your emotions are valid, but it's not staying that way permanently. Not stand that way permanently. And your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. If you don't believe me, go ask Moses when you get to heaven. And when he was standing there with a m- couple million people, and they all want to kill him because he's taking them out of Egypt, and they're right there facing the Red Sea, and right behind him is the Egyptian army coming down. They're like, you brought us out here to die in the desert. This wasn't any good. Blah, blah, blah. And he just said, all right, Lord, and shoot." parted up, and they walked across on dry land and drowned them suckers behind them, right? Does that, you're standing there. That, that's where we get our term, between the devil and the deep blue sea. And sometimes there's no hope when we're looking at the sea. But the problem was, they were looking at the sea and looking at what was here. They weren't looking to God. And that's what we've got to do, because there's always hope with God. With the presence of God, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, even when everything is hopeless, there is always hope with God. So let's unpack some of these truths. Because I want, I, I'm going to pray that you're going to have, you're going to get a good word today um, to bring you hope. When you're hurt, when you don't know where to turn, when you don't know what to do, you don't can't get out of it. Know that your emotions are real and they are valid. I'm saying that several times because I want you to hear. Your emotions are real and valid. Because so many people dismiss your emotions and they are actually an important part of your healing. So that's why I got to say that. You've got to come in contact with your emotions because what we usually do is we try to cover up our emotions. And sometimes people who are the most depressed are the people that are the happiest, most life of the party on the outside. But inside they're breaking and they're doing that because they don't want to show you the real nature of their feelings. Because if they do, they feel worse about themselves and so they work to cover it up. And by doing so, it's a lot of energy to cover up depression every day because they feel less of something, and they're not. And so they've prayed, they've tried all these things and can't get out. So, so um, how, what do you do? So they are real. Experts say one of the best ways to heal is actually, and to actually change your emotions is to start by acknowledging your emotions and literally naming your emotions. So if you, what I'm saying is, if you feel hopeless um, right there, if you feel hopeless right now, um, say or do it. So, I mean, I'm mean, this. if you're watching online, if you feel hopeless, type it, I feel hopeless. Or write it down on your bulletin or take out your phone and put that down. Um, but whatever it is, whatever you feel, you may say, I feel angry. I feel hurt. I feel ticked off at the world. I feel betrayed. I feel not listened to. I, I'm depressed. I feel empty right now. I feel numb. I feel the weight of the world on me. I feel nothing. I feel broken. Name your feelings. You may say, "I feel afraid." By the way, anybody afraid of spiders? <laughs> like, anybody afraid of spiders? Like Like if this sucker was real, if this was real, here? Yeah, that was real. Would you be afraid of that? Like, if this thing was walking across, if this one was walking across, the, when I was teaching school one time, I don't like snakes, and when I was teaching one time, I was teaching in a lecture hall, and this girl had her feet up, and she was eating, like, cheeses or something, and she goes, there's a snake there, and I said, what? She said, there's a snake there, and I was real brave. I went and jumped up on the higher, and I said, well, get it, <laughs> you know, and, and this guy went and grabbed it and took it out, but there was a snake there. I don't like snakes. I, I, that's, that's scriptural. I'll crush its head. That's what I'll do. So... Um, so, Batty, Batty here. You know what? No, no, here. Anybody want no, 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 no. Go ahead, Chris. Pull that up. There you go. There you go. Oh, gotcha. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, thanks, Chris. You're the man. There we go. See, there's a little spider. But, you know, I don't like, I don't, I don't like spiders. I don't like snakes worse. But um, how many like spiders? Anybody like them? Okay. Well, let's not talk about regular spiders. What about tarantulas? And do you know I read something that spiders in Africa, they have them the size of small poodles? Anybody want to go on a trip? Yeah, like little poodles. I guess you could take one and walk him. You know, but anyway. Um, So, but there was a study that was done with, um, not regular spiders, tarantulas. And they took some people who were afraid of spiders, and they exposed them to a tarantula in a cage. And then they broke them into four groups and gave them four assignments. And group one, they said, "I I want you to label what you're feeling. So I want you to say, I feel afraid of spiders. Group two, they said, I want you to just make observations, like genuine, emotional, less no-feeling kind of observations, like there's a tarantula in the cage. The tarantula is hairy and nasty. Group three said, say something irrelevant. I think it might rain. Middle of the week is Wednesday. Baby shark, doo, 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 or something like that, right? <laughs> and group four, they said, don't say anything at all. And this was a real study done. And they have four different assignments. Label what you're feeling. Group two, um, make observations. Group three, say something irrelevant. And group four, don't say anything at all. And they took people that were afraid of spiders, had them do that for a week, and they brought them all back. And when they brought them back, they once again exposed them to the tarantula. This time, he wasn't in the cage. And then they hooked them up and they measured their physiological, their body responses. They wanted to see, did they sweat, did their heart race, like Patty's did when I was (laughs) just then, did they pee their pants, Uh, that kind of stuff. Um, What were the the effects physically? And here's what they discovered in the groups. By far, Group 1, who labeled their feelings a week previously, did remarkably better. They were less nervous. Many of them actually touched the tarantula. And what they learned from this and other studies is that naming your emotions opens the door to changing Emotions. It's not some special spiritual strength to display and pretend like they're not there. Oh no, I'm great, it's wonderful, I mean, uh, everything's great. Right. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, good. That's not a spiritual strength. That's a weakness. That's a way that you crumble from the inside out. Um, and, and God gave us emotions and they're valid, but they're not permanent. And so recognize that they're not permanent. You identify them. I feel alone. I feel desperate. I feel hopeless, etc. And when you name that, then God opens the door to be able to change that. There are several people that may walk in this door every week, and you come in and you hear an amazing sermon. Um, and <laughs> that was a delayed reaction. I'm going to get this. Uh, but but you, hear, you hear a word, you hear the word of God that God puts on my heart, share, you worship God, you see people, and you have a, a good fellowship, you have a family atmosphere. And some of you are lonely and broken, and you never tell anybody. And God may be saying, I have given you a whole bunch of people that just want to tell you that you're not alone. I've given you a whole bunch of people who just want to be there for you. All you have to do is just name it. Name what you're feeling and let them be for you. But that makes it vulnerable because when you name it, God can open the door. And because our emotions are temporary, we can't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. Okay? Okay. I've talked to people who made a very quick decision to get married, all right? And they're like, what was I thinking, right? I've made people who've, anybody ever, um, like, purchased something, like, on a pulse buy, like, ooh, an emotional buy, and then you spent the next couple years going, what did I buy this dumb thing for? And you may have done that for years. Or when you're feeling down, don't make those permanent decisions at that point, because, like, it's, it's, bad to, it's bad to do any other decisions because if you're not, if the emotions aren't permanent, then don't let the conclusions be permanent. For instance, some people say, well, all men or all women are, all right, because of your experience of some who were. Um, or all people are. Or all Christians. Or all churches. All they want is this. And you, you can't possibly end up doing that. You say these things. Don't do that. We are not going to make permanent decisions and or permanent conclusions based on temporary emotions. When you feel afraid, when you feel threatened, when you feel like you w- might quit on your relationship, on God, even on yourself, you may feel like running out the door and shutting everybody out and getting the biggest bottle of vodka or whiskey they have and drinking yourself into a coma. And in the deepest, darkest, weightiest times, you may feel like life is not worth it. Over the years, I've had so many people who are ready to take their life And our spiritual enemy, Satan, wants us to kill, be killed, stolen, and destroyed anything that God has for us. So he loves when we're depressed. And he loves when we isolate ourselves. And then, sadly, you start to believe his lie. You know, everyone would be better off without me anyway. And in the moment... Your emotions feel valid and real, but they're not permanent. Because if you've ever been part of a situation where somebody took their life and lost the battle of depression, you see the crushing nature to the people who love them, that are behind many who had no clue. And you're left just passing down another form of depression to somebody else generationally. And it breaks them. So you got to name it because the emotions, they feel real, but they're not permanent. They're not permanent. And don't let Satan lie to you. And I want you to know that it's never, never, ever under any circumstances that you, this world would be, be, that it'd be better off without you. Because God knew what he was doing when he made you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He put you on earth to know him, and created you for good works or a purpose in advance to do. So we're not going to make permanent decisions based off of, um, or permanent conclusions based off of temporary emotions. God gave it to you, but not to be ruled by. All right? Number two, the situation feels hopeless, but with God, there's always what? Hope. There's always hope. God, there's always hope. You may not feel it. You may not believe it. But I'm going to bring you a good word in our remaining time today. I'm praying That the good word will bring you hope. In Lamentations 3, let's go back there. Remember, we left, we last left Jeremiah. He's hating everything, right? He is so depressed. He is broken. He's down. He said in verse 20, my soul is downcast within me. And then in verse 21, look how he turns to God and he says this. Yet this I call to mind. He says, I feel hopeless. I feel depressed. I'm walking in darkness. I have no hope whatsoever. But he said, I'm going to call this to mind. Remember, we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He calls this to mind. He says, therefore, I have what? Hope. Before he had none, just a couple verses, he had absolutely no hope. But he stopped and he said, all right, okay, I know how I'm feeling and that's real. So now I've got to get my mind off of the situation and I've got to get it on God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to myself. I'm going to say, Jeremiah, time to, time to think differently. Time to go to the Word of God. Who are you talking to? And he says, so I'm going to call this to mind. And because I know who God is, therefore, I have what? Hope. I have hope. Because when God's in the middle of it, you always have hope. In the middle of his darkest moment, he calls to mind the goodness, the character, the nature, and he talks of God, and he talks about it, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing how he talks about it. Look at what he says. He says, this is what he calls to mind. He says, because of the Lord's great love. Did it sound like he knew anything about God's great love before when he said, you won't even listen to my prayer? Here he says, no, 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 wait a second. I know how I feel, but because of God's great love, we are not consumed. It's dark, and it's bad, and it's deep, and it's weighty, and it's heavy. And this depression is, is dear. But i got to get my mind off the stuff, and i got to go ahead and say, but I know that God has a great love for me, and I'm not going to be consumed. It feels like I'm drowning, but I'm not. Because guess what? If I'm drowning, he can make me walk on water. And he says, for his compassions never fail. And guess what? They're new when? Every, Every morning. One of the problems why we're sinking is because we're dealing with the compassion of God from three 10, 20, 30 years ago, and we're not spending time with him to get the new compassions every morning. We need that every day, because guess what? The junk's coming every day, so I need something new from God every day. And then in the middle of his darkness, he declares this, great is your faithfulness. Did he have a turnaround? You might say he's bipolar, right? And he might be. But the bottom line is, he had to change his mind Off of the situation and the feelings. The feelings are still there. In two verses, he can just go, oh, now I feel good. He still had that feeling, but he was speaking something different to it. He named what he was feeling, and then he said, but even though that's how I feel, I serve a God who is great and loves me. And with him, I have hope. And when I have hope in God, that takes care of everything. So I may not be consumed in this because he is God, and he loves me. The word for love here in the Hebrew text is the word hesed. Everybody say, actually, you go like, hesed. Don't spit on the person next to you. All right? But it's a very powerful word and it's difficult to translate. It's in the Bible 248 times and it's filled with meaning. And sometimes Hebrew words are hard to translate into English. And so many translators in doing hesed have translated as loving kindness or mercy or loyalty, but it's impossible to really describe it because this is a fullness of God's nature. It's a total fullness of God's nature. And so two definitions I actually like are the unbreakable devotion of God's promises. And so we say his loving kindness, he's saying, God, I know how I feel, but you love me so much, you have a, there's a devotion to your promise, to your promises. And then the other one is a covenantal, commitment to God's character, that God, you're, you're just, you're, you are who you say you are, and you do what you say you do, regardless of what's going on here. You are God, and I am not. And because of God's great love, because of God's unbroken devotion and his, to his promises, and because of the covenantal commitment and his character, that I'm not going to be consumed, even though I feel it. And then he goes into the word compassion. It's translated "rahma." Rahama, which actually is really cool because the root word of this comes from womb, a woman's womb. And when you look at that, what happens in a womb? It's a safe place. It's a safe place. It's a haven, a safe place where life begins. In the womb, life is nourished. In the womb, it's strengthened and it's protected and developed. And it's in the womb that God's compassions never fail every morning. It's in the newness or in the, in, in the moments of life that God is, is, is giving us new grace and he's giving us his presence and he's giving us uh, enough every day. It's where he gives us our daily bread. It's he gives us our daily grace. He gives us our daily compassion. He gives us our daily goodness. And he gives us that daily presence that we need for the day. Because with God, there's always hope. So what do you do with all this but with a dark and heavy and weighty world? You know what we do? We acknowledge it. I'm depressed. I feel hopeless. And then we follow up with an acknowledgement, which is the hard part for us. I need help. I need help. I'm going to get you all to practice it right now. Ready? One, two, three. All right? That was probably the hardest sentence for some of us to ever say. And when you say, I need help, get it. Try to do that. Some of you may be like I needed to do several years ago. Get a counselor. Getting a counselor is not weak, it's wise. Um, You may be sick and you need to go to a doctor or you may have the chemical thing and you may need medication. That's wise and that's spiritual. You may need to change your diet. That's wise and spiritual. That's maybe the way God designed your body. It works differently. I have those friends who can sit and eat everything fat in the world and they don't even gain it. I look at it, I gain 10 pounds, right? Right? Um, You may need to start exercise just to feel differently. You may need to journal. You may need to get in a small group. We definitely need other people in our life. People standing there to encourage us, to pray for us. And we need a community together with each other. What else do you do? From last week, we pray, we pause, and we praise. And then what do we do? We call to mind. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just start preaching to ourselves. When you do these different things... You begin to renew your mind, and you change your posture. Not many people who are, who are depressed, if you catch them when they're not putting on, sometimes they're slumped. Sometimes they're looking down at the ground. Sometimes they're just down, and their voice is like, hey, how you doing? Now, I can't prove this, but I bet you that Jeremiah, verse 20 I feel completely covered in darkness and weighted down. His posture is probably down. He probably got his hand in his head. Head in his hand, yeah. I've lost hope. And then he's sitting there and then he goes, wait. I don't feel it, but I got to call this to mind. And He probably started to look up instead of looking down. He probably stopped looking around at the destruction and seeing everything else and he probably started to look but, up he said, I'm going to call this to mine. Maybe in his brokenness, he didn't look to the temple, but he looked to the, to the God who the temple was for. And maybe he just began to raise his hands. And you know, there's several signs about raising your hands. Raising your hands it's not just a sign that you're Pentecostal, all right? But in life, I surrender. Somebody stuck a gun at you, right? That's the first thing we do. So when we do this to God, we say, I surrender, God. I need help. I surrender. It's a sign of dependence. Babies and infants, they come over to you. Or they're sitting in, even, even Ella, as little as she is, she's sitting in a chair. She wants to get out. She's like, mm-hmm. why is she doing that? Because she wants me. That's why. Um, but no, she's doing that. Why? She wants out, and, and the situation she's in is bigger than her strength. And so she needs somebody who loves her that is willing to come over and remove the obstacle and lift her up. You have a God who wants to do the same thing. It's also a sign, which you Ravens fans are hoping for, a victory. And you Chiefs fans are saying, oh, no, it's not, right? I see two of you here, or three or four of you, right? All right? But touchdown, Woo! You're in the stands. You don't do anything. You're like, "Yeah!" And somebody pours a beer on you, right? Because everybody's excited. Yes! That's where our hands go. And guess what? With God, even though the situation's bad, there's always victory. There's always victory. And in Jeremiah, toward the end of this, in verses 3, 24, when we f- surrender to God, we find victory. And listen to what he says. He said, I say to myself, sometimes we need to preach to ourselves. And, um, and that's what we do. He says this. He said... I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion. What does that mean? That means I don't need to keep going back to the smorgasbord because I got all I need with God. I got all I need with God. And he found that the key to his satisfaction, it didn't totally, I don't think it totally removed the feelings because that depression doesn't just go away. with like, whoa, there we go. But what it did, it helped him transform his mind to saying, you know what, the Lord is my portion and what am I going to do? I'm just going to wait on him. I'm just going to be still and know who God is. And whatever measure he was going to receive, whatever inheritance, whatever future, it would be found in the Lord, no matter what happened to him. Everything that caused Jeremiah to feel afflicted and far from God and walking in darkness and bitter and all that stuff are now replaced by a satisfied soul who says that no matter what happens, the Lord is my portion and he's enough. And therefore, I will wait for him. And here's what he says to himself. He says, "I will wait for him." He says that to himself. And he says, "The Lord is good to those who hope in him." And then he says to himself, "To the one who seeks him, um, it's good to wait for the Lord." And and then he says to himself, "And I'm going to wait quietly. I'm going to quit complaining." But I'm gonna share and I'm gonna keep bringing it to God, but I'm just gonna go ahead and and love God because He knows here. So you may be saying, Lord, you're my protector, you're Lord, you're my glory, you're the lifter of my head, you're my refuge and strength, my ever present help in time of trouble. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know why? Because you wouldn't lay down, you run through them. And he leads me beside still waters or quiet waters. He restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his need's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of darkness, the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to fear any evil because you are with me. And even though I'm going through a dark time, there's always hope when God is your shepherd. And your rod and your staff, they, they for me. You love me so much, you're going to plant a table right in the middle of my enemies. And your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So I'm going to preach to myself. I'm going to remind myself. So why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. Your feelings are real, but they're not permanent. You feel like you have no hope, but you always do with God. You may say, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate me from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, n- neither the present or the future. If you believe just that, that's pretty much everything. And guess what else isn't going to separate you from the love of God? Your depression, the weightiness your darkest days, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Is that going to solve everything? I don't know. But we surrender to God and we fight the battles that we can with the presence of God. Anxiety weighs the heart down and it makes you depressed. But a good word, a good word, you say a good word, okay, preacher boy. Maybe, maybe not. But a good word from God is enough to get you through. There are several times in your life, that you may have tried to deal with it on your own. You tried to keep it. You didn't want to name that you've been depressed. There's been numerous times in my life that I've battled with depression and I've battled with anxiety and I've tried to keep it quiet. And what I found out in my life is that that made Jack not wise. It made me weak. And so I don't have a problem telling you that I've dealt with depression. I've had times in my life where I believe that my family, my friends, churches, everything would be better off without me. I don't have a problem saying that because you know why? Because that stuff happens and that waitingness is here. But I have to call this to mind that I have a God. And because of his great love for me, his compassions are new every morning, every morning. And because of him, there is hope each and every day. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord this last time here today in, in song. And I, I'm going to tell you again, one of the things we talked about is naming and um, and there are people who are here with you that are willing to, willing to pray with you. What a great way to go ahead and begin to start to, um, to form that relationship. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. And I know that in, um, in our culture, this is something that is talked about in some ways. In other ways, we, we run from it. We don't want to be labeled that way. We don't want to say something. But God, you and you alone are the only one that can, can help us renew our minds, help us to work through that. We realize there are several different means of that. There's, we went through them in the service. I'm not going to re-preach it in this, in this uh, prayer, but God, whatever it may be, if there's someone who's dealing with that today, I pray that you hear one thing, that you say, this is what I'm feeling, you name it, because your feelings and emotions are real and they're valid, but they're not permanent. And you may be in a hopeless situation, but God and his people who love you, with God there's always hope. And I pray that today somebody will name it, claim it, say I need help, and they'll get it in whatever facet that may be, God. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory. As you, I thank you for all the offerings and all the blessings that we saw that you did last year and the same people and many of the people that have given today. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be on there. If you're visiting today, I want to tell you, I don't want you to give. I want you to receive what God has for you. That there's somebody today that you are trying to tell yourself, I got to be strong, I got to be strong. You're talking to me, preacher, today, and I don't like it. It's not me. It's the voice of God saying, I love you, my child. I know you're broken. Call this to mind. And have hope. And just give your life to Jesus. And work through and get the help that you need. So Lord, do you have your way during this time. And we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>
2: Jesus you alone You are the Lord God Almighty strong in compassion and mercy oh Jesus you alone I search the Nothing compares to the one
1: the world.
0: Everyone, I'm going to let you get out of here. Sorry we went a little bit over today, but that's just too important to just rush through, right? Um, and and just, um, just recognize that not everybody smiling is joyous. Not everybody that seems like they have it all together does. And not everybody out there knows Jesus. And that's their hope. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you.